Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. The Garden Report is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Yeah, the Garden Report, just a couple weeks till training camp. So we're going to get into some of the biggest Celtics questions. I got a center conversation, film, debate, breakdown thing coming down on who might start alongside Christos Porzingis. I've put an article up on it on clnsmedia.com, but I want to bounce around the East a little bit too as camp begins, and I've been meaning to do a heat show since uh, the Damian Lillard trade talk started and stalled and appear at a standstill for now. And Wes Goldberg's back, great friend of the show here. Well, let's talk to you before Game 7, uh, which <laughs> went in a direction I don't think either of us saw going, uh, whether you thought the Heat were going to win or not. It just ended up being a blowout. Uh, with that crazy home court and all the momentum swing in Boston's direction. So going into this year, Wes, my thought is it's tough to give the Celtics the benefit of the doubt come playoff time over Miami, even with the changes they made. And I'll get your thoughts mm. on those later. Um, but also considering that Damian Lillard could be joining this team by playoff time too. So we know the deal at this point. Nothing that matters in my nothing that happens in the regular season matters in Miami. Once they get into the playoffs, it's going to be a whole different conversation. Uh, and that's probably more true than ever this year because they lost some key guys. It's probably going to take a while to sort out the Lloyd situation. And they've now defeated the Celtics in two of the last three East finals they faced in and almost had them in the third. So uh, you got to give Miami, even if you don't go into the season saying that they're the favorite and you probably shouldn't the benefit of the doubt that they could get hot at the right time late beat the Celtics at the very least. And we'll see from there. I, I'm, 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 I guess surprised to hear you say that because I, I still don't, I've, think I've been traumatized by a couple of these finals. I, I don't know that I would even say that the Miami heat should be considered favorites in the East. You know what I mean? And no, I they shouldn't be, I'd say over the Celtics in a series. I see what you mean. Um, well, in that case, I mean, look, the Miami Heat are sort of the Boston Celtics boogeyman, right? Like yeah. there's not, oh, they just, they seem to get in their heads, you know? And it's interesting, the whole Marcus Smart thing, people are like, uh, understandably concerned. Like he was the heart and soul of the team. He was the tough guy, the whole thing. Like if you lose him, you know, where are you kind of getting that edge from? And I guess my counterpoint to that has been for a couple months now, it's like, well, it hasn't really helped them win the championship. You know what I mean? Like if uh, on one hand, Boston's problem is that they're a little soft when, you know, on the biggest stage, you, the other thing can't also be true. It's like, well, they're kind of soft, but the heart and soul of the team is gone. It's like, well, if the heart and soul of the team is soft, then it shouldn't really matter if the tough guy is gone. Cause obviously he wasn't tough enough. I know that's like kind of distilling it down a little bit too much, but I, I, I am curious to see how Marcus smart leaving forces Tatum and Jalen Brown to take on more of a like leadership roles in that locker room and see if it changes the personality, which again, talent has never been Boston's issue, whether or not it's toughness, softness, whatever it is. Again, that stuff is so overstated and binary. They just needed a change. And I think that like getting Christophe Porzingis is obviously a big part of that trade, 
But I think a big part of that trade too was just sort of challenging Tatum and Brown to be the leaders that they didn't really have to be. They could just sort of do the scoring and all the stuff that they do so well and leave all the leadership stuff to Marcus Smart and whoever was the head coach. Now it kind of puts the onus on them to step up in that way. Yeah, and you said everything I've said pretty much since yeah, okay. the trade happened. This is a move to force Brown and Tatum to step into those leadership roles. If you were going to make a change at some point that didn't involve Brown or Tatum, it probably had to be smart, and you never would have known what would happen if you never did it, uh, especially before making a move on Brown, which you know we'll get to in the coming years uh, based on how things go this year. But you got a lot back for smart looking back on it. And mm-hmm. I don't love the move. I do think the leadership and intangible issues might be in other places here. We'll see again. It's on Brown and Tatum to finally lead this team where it needs to go. Now at this point, there's really no other excuse left. They've messed with everything else. The coach, the smart, uh, smart all the way down the line. I've gotten them role players. Now they've gotten them a third star. So this is a huge year for them. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but I do worry a little bit about what taking smart out of the room does, at least in terms of accountability for this group, judging on how Joe coached his team last year. And maybe he'll make some adjustments going in. I'm very interested to just see the whole demeanor of this team yeah. and how they're looking at this team come uh, this season come media day. But for Przingis specifically, and I guess we'll start out with the Celtics. I watched a lot of film on him this summer, and I especially watched a lot of film again of him against the Heat. Uh, for obvious reasons. And the numbers weren't great, especially the shooting numbers in those games. But just looking at the film, there was some interesting stuff he did against them. And obviously he had a great post-up season, great season inside the arc. The mid-range with him is just about as good as the three. But they, you know, the Wizards did some good stuff in terms of getting him the ball inside, having him make quick decisions against the zone. And of course, that middle area is, with a big guy who can see over the defense and all of that is kind of what you want against a heat zone defense that has really challenged the Celtics offense in recent years. And it's obviously just another guy that you have to account for on this offense that can be pretty explosive for Boston. Yeah. Boston's bigs haven't really given Miami any problems over the last couple of years. They don't score. They don't score. And Porzingis, yeah. to your point, the numbers haven't been good. They weren't good for the Wizards, but the Wizards weren't good. So, you know, it, it's like which one it, – it's like chicken or the egg type deal. Yeah. Um, I, Porzingis on paper is sort of a, a problem for the Heat for all the things that – for all the reasons you already laid out. And then just in a vacuum, I thought Porzingis played the best basketball of his career last season. It mm-hmm. wasn't as loud and as big as his days when he was playing at Madison Square Garden, obviously, but I thought he was making quick decisions. I thought defensively he was as good as he's ever been. Um, again, like so many blocked shots and stuff like that when he played for the Knicks, but just like positional defense, it was better last year than it had been in any other point of his career. Uh, I, I spoke with him last year for a feature I wrote on him too, and he felt the same way. And he felt like if his numbers, like you said, the shooting numbers were sort of up and down. And, and he said that he's like, if I can just get the shooting to where I know I can get it, like just watch my game take off. I think I could be an all-star again. And I, I think I agree with him. You know, it kind of feels like the injury issues are a little bit behind him now. Um, and, and with his size and his, he's a good shooter. He's got that ability. And, and when the decision-making gets better and he's better at like kind of putting the ball on the floor and just driving, he doesn't necessarily have to dunk. He doesn't have to do anything flashy, but he could just kind of be a three and at the rim kind of guy offensively. Uh, the post-up stuff you already mentioned is pretty good. I don't know if it's that, that might be his career best last year, but it's still going to be pretty good, uh, in terms of his numbers. 
And then defensively, I think he's really solid. And you pair him with a guy like Al Horford or Robert Williams or whatever they end up doing in the front court. You can obviously play, uh, play KP at the five if you want to and go smaller. I really like that move for Boston. I, I liked it right away. I actually don't worry about losing Marcus Smart at all. And as, as, as from the Heat's perspective, I think you've got to be a little bit worried about how well-balanced that roster is and, and maybe that that makeup change. It's like, okay, like we kind of knew what this thing was. We kind of had their number for the last couple of years. Is this going to make it that much different? It's it just, you got to be a little, you got to approach with a little bit more caution, I think, if you're the Miami Heat than you did in the past. I still think that at the end of the day, they've got Jimmy Butler, they've got the DNA, and they've got like the stuff that has given Boston problems. Um, and I probably still would take Miami in a series, to your point, if we're talking about playoff series. But I don't know. I, I, I think the Celtics will be better. I do. They should be if they're healthy. And that's probably the largest concern here is the health factor with him. I don't know what he told you on the health front, you know, when you talked to him about last year and just how he said the same thing every player says. I, yeah. I feel great. My body's never been better. Whatever. And it was true for him last year. He played a lot yeah. uh, compared played, to 60 something games, right? 65. Yeah. The, <laughs> the all NBA rule, we can call it the Porzingis. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Porzingis line. And he hasn't been an all-star either, so they can actually arrest him with this new rule here, which helps them. They get the interchangeable bigs. There's definitely balance, as you say there. We'll see what happens with Brogdon. That's a conversation for another day uh, in terms of his health and where he's at coming into the season. But uh, for Porzingis specifically, the health does concern me, but the play last year, as you said, the shooting was just awesome. I've looked up a couple of times last year and he obviously destroyed Boston in that late game between the Wizards and Celtics. It was just amazing how devastating he was offensively in that game with no one really around him. I think Beal and Kuzma were in that mm -hmm. game. But I looked up a couple of times last year and you mentioned him getting back to all-star status. He was really close to that all-NBA spot on the third, if you look at it. Sabonis deserved it. Um, you know, when you just stack things up there. But if there was a fourth team... Porzingis would have had that center spot. He'll probably have a pretty good spot at getting it this year. But you do go from being the guy on a team to being the third option here and spotting up a lot. And I was going through some quotes uh, of Joe Missoula uh, once they when they got him. And I don't know if he just kind of said this casually and didn't really mean it, but he talked about them using him the same way they did Horford, which is mostly spotting up from three. Uh, and, you know, if, if he's going to hit a ton of threes at a high volume, that's going to help this team. But there is also a uh, vast array of things he can give a team when we mention the post-ups, when we mention the mid-range with him, that you'd like to see help diversify this offense a little bit because we saw it in game six and seven against Miami. They had their two worst shooting nights of the season, and that was pretty much the season for them. They come away with the putback in game six, but in game seven, they're even colder, I think. They were in the low 20s from three that night. Uh, and that was it for them. They really didn't have alternatives of places they could go on the floor outside of some Jalen mid-rangers. And the Heat, obviously, were turning up the heat on uh, Jalen's dribble in that series. Um, that's, I mean, they literally said, like, they know he can't go left. So, yeah. Uh, and look, the scattering report on Jalen Brown has been out there. We'll see if that can improve. He still just seems so mechanical as a ball handler. And that's the thing that gives me worry. It's, it's, it's this idea that it's like, who's the table setter? on that offense. I think Porzingis can do a little bit of that. You mentioned before, like having a guy who's like seven, three out there, who can just sort of like lay the ball down where it needs to go to his teammates is really helpful. But I also don't see them using him as like Nikola Jokic, you know, or, yeah. or even like the way that Miami uses Bam Adebayo because the ball has to be in Jason Tatum's hands so much. And obviously Jalen Brown's hands too. 
like does Tatum take that next step? Um, can he develop some real pick and roll chemistry with anybody on the team? Because it doesn't, it hasn't really happened with Rob Williams or Horford as a pick and pop guy or KP as a, maybe it's going to be with Porzingis as a pick and pop and a pick and roll guy because he could do both. Um, that to me is where my biggest concern is for the Celtics. But again, like they weren't really getting that from Marcus Smart. That was always sort of something Marcus Smart had to try to do that was out of his comfort zone. He wasn't even like even in Oklahoma State, he wasn't really like a like a ball handling set the table point guard. So um, I don't know that they made any, you know, additions that can help that, but it's, it's just, I, I like to me, it, it keeps going back to, do you change the internal chemistry and, and just the whole morale and the, and all of that stuff in the locker room? And does that lead to just some other sparks on the floor where Tatum is all of a sudden like, you know what? I'm going to be the guy who sets the table for everybody. I'm going to try to make my game a little bit more LeBron and a little bit less Durant or something like that. And, and that'll be interesting to see. Yeah. And I thought Smart did a better job with it than people gave him credit for. I think he was the best passer on the team. Now, certainly a team that had its turnover issues and facilitating problems, as you say there, they weren't in a great place with it. So it makes sense to shake it up. And they didn't necessarily get a replacement, as you say, in terms mm-hmm. of the passing, but Derek white with what he does overall, I, I think made them comfortable with yeah. making that move. And he had a better season last year. There's, there's really no argument there. Uh, and they'll have mm-hmm. to make a decision on his contract too uh, pretty soon here. So y- you want to give him that full shot, especially with the playoffs he had. I mean, he shot close to 40% for the whole season from three, uh, and like 800 shots between the regular and postseason. So he, you know, great sample there of him hitting threes effectively, uh, he can screen, he can pass, he can make quick decisions. He doesn't turn the ball over really ever. Uh, I think he's got some of the lowest turnover numbers in the league among guys at that position. So I feel good about that. Again, with smart, it's the intangibles. And that's really what it's been with this team. As you said, well, they've had the talent in recent years. You're really just stacking in another score with Porzingis, one who can do it a bunch of different ways, but not really a guy who impacts the facilitating at all. So that to me is why I have a little bit of a pause on this solving everything for them. It it definitely follows the line of thinking with this coaching staff, which is really emphasizing the three point shot, getting quick, high quality shots off to solve some of those turnover issues rather than just having this point guard, who's going to command everything, you know, have knowing where those spots are on the floor to be, he can probably stagger into some of those second units too with Brown and yeah, just targeting him, I think, will make reads easier for Brown, too. There's a lot on paper that makes sense here. It's just how it's going to play out in reality, how the health's going to go, and how internally they come together, You know, especially in the bad moments. I mean, you remember Game 3, and I hope they do, too. It was chaotic. The post-game, where they were in that series, even the day after where everyone's just trying to place blame and figure out where things went wrong. And they turned it around to their credit in a massive way. But, you know, Gabe Vincent went down in the next game. That was a big factor there. The game six obviously was a miracle. Uh, so it was a little fluky how they came back too. It was. Uh, look, I, but I still think at the end of the day, I, I don't think that Boston solved everything by any stretch, right? here. I, I still have the same concerns that you have with them. But, like, it, it's fascinating to me that it's just been the Heat and the Celtics for three to the last four years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously the Bucks won a championship in between all of that. But um, those are the three. Like, those are the three in the Eastern Conference for right now. Um, and, and it just Knicks like, lurk a little bit. 
Knicks Who? lurking a little Knicks bit. Knicks lurking? The Knicks are, I mean, I guess. Uh, they gave the Celtics a tough time last year. That would have been a tough East Finals, too, for Boston. Okay. I mean, look, they gave, like, they played Miami hard. I just. Yeah. The Knicks, I don't know. It feels like they're definitely a tier below the three, the other three, right? That Randall thing kills them because you just know what he's going to be in the playoffs. Well, you already know what he's like. He had the best regular season of his career two years after having the best regular season of his career. And the thing that always happens is after his career best season, he follows it with a disappointing <laughs> season. So it's like, I, I, I'm a little actually worried about Nick's regression if I was a Knicks fan right now. Yeah, but. Cleveland. I'd probably put Cleveland above them. I like Cleveland, Philly. It's impossible to <laughs> imagine yeah. how that's gonna go. Yeah, I have no idea. I like <laughs> I I've stopped I've always been kind of bullish on the Sixers. I'm like, yeah, they gotta figure it out at some point. It's sort of just been my stance this entire time. And now I've just totally given up on them. Just like the Clippers, like both of those teams. I'm like, you know what? When you win a championship, I'll think about believing in you as a championship contender. All right, let's get to Lillard. We just wanna uh, give a shout out to our sponsor real quick. What if there was an app that used AI and machine learning to suggest smart sports bets? There is, and it's called Odds Are. It is the mobile app you need to know what bets of the day are the smart ones. Download the app, sign up for an account, and let the latest data analysis guide you through today's point spreads, money lines, and over-unders. If you see green, that's a smart bet. If you see yellow, eh, you're on your own. If you see red, don't do it. Odds Are doesn't take your bet. It makes you better at it. With odds are on your mobile phone, you're a tap away from making a smart play. It's smart betting made simple. Find the odds are app in the App Store or on Google Play. Get a two-week free trial. It's just 10 bucks a month after that. The casinos and sports books want you to bet. Odds are want you to win, so go get it. Especially since Celtics All Access listeners get a 30-day free trial. Elevate your game day and join the smart betting revolution. Go get it at oddsr.com slash Celtics. That's oddsr.com slash Celtics. 30 days of smarter betting, free. We'd call that a winning bet. All right. So I saw you tweet earlier, and I think this is pretty much how everyone feels, that this Lily thing is just at a standstill, and uh, the Heat probably won't have him in camp. Who knows when he's going to be there. He still wants to be there. He's still sending those signals left and right, even though the NBA tried to shut it down a little bit with the warning there of him trying to dictate one destination only from Portland, Portland, who knows if they really even want to trade him. I think that's probably a mistake on their part. And honestly, I started this whole process, Wes, saying just like everybody else, that heat offers terrible. They got to be able to do better than that. Portland does. Maybe this doesn't even happen for Miami, but the more and more I think about it, and the more it seems like the NBA, like the NBA at large doesn't seem interested in trading for him, and he keeps threatening that you don't want me if you're not the Heat. That Heat offer, if the Heat get very aggressive here, and I know they can only be so aggressive with how much they give up here and still have a team, it's it's acceptable. That's probably the word I'd use for it. It's okay. It's acceptable. I just think Portland more than anything else needs to move on from this and take what they can get. Maybe it's as many heat picks as possible, even if the mm-hmm. heat you don't think in the future are going to be a team that has a downturn. You maybe you can figure out what you're doing with hero at some point down the line. If you're them, you're rebuilding. It really doesn't matter how many guys you have at a certain position. I'm, I'm just leaning toward wanting to see this get done. Obviously, as I'm sure a lot of people in Miami do. I mean, yeah, we just want to see it get done. Uh, I want to see it get done because I'm sick of talking about 
hypotheticals. Like, yeah, that's how I, I what, feel. It's just so funny. People online and on podcasts like us talk about this more than the Heat and the Blazers have talked about this clearly because yeah. they haven't spoken since July. But um, look, I agree with you. I think there's a number of factors here that kind of influenced our thinking on the trade package. The first one being is that the the closest star trade to this was Kevin Durant getting traded a few months ago. I mean, closest in terms of timeline was Kevin Durant a few months ago. And so Kevin Durant gets traded. Before that, it was Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. And these teams get such huge hauls for these big names, right? For huge names in the NBA. And Damian Lillard is a name, a star among stars, right? Damian Lillard is a star like Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, like LeBron. Like he has been in the league and, and uh, just part one of the many faces of the NBA for the last decade. And so you see him get on the trade market finally, right? As, again, a guy that we've been thinking about could be traded at any moment, any offseason. You see him finally get on the market and demand that trade that everybody has been anticipating him to make. And you say, okay, all right, Blazers, they're rebuilding. They're going to get a huge haul for him. And then you kind of think about it a little bit more. He's not a big wing. He's 33 years old. He's a smallish guard. He doesn't fit with every roster just on a position by basis because we already saw what happens if you, if, if you pair him with another small guard, you don't win at a high level. They tried to do it in Portland with CJ McCollum. And Anthony Simons, and it just didn't work. So you're like, okay, so if we're already kind of committed to a small guard, we can't really do it with, with Dame. Um, and then obviously he's going to be 33 by the time the season starts. He's making a ton of money, a ton of money that we're, is going to be hard to get out of as he gets older. It, you kind of start going down the list of teams that make any sense for Damian Lillard, and you're like, Miami might be the only team, right? It's not that he only forced his way to Miami, and now Miami is the only team. Right, it's that Miami was kind of always the only team that made any sense, and now that's probably even more so that Joel Embiid and uh, uh, Giannis could potentially get traded in the next twelve months. Like, if I'm Brooklyn, there's no way I'm trading for Damian Lillard, right? If it means that I have to give up the assets it would take to maybe go get Giannis in, in nine months from now, so it's like, I, I just think it keeps it makes more and more sense. So I think that that's one factor. The other factor of this too is that Tyler Hero is a really good player. And, and his his trade value has been kind of dragged through the mud over this offseason and this idea that, okay, maybe Portland will find a third team to flip Tyler Hero to for a first-round pick. Let's I'm just going to use Brooklyn again because I just I said them and it was at the top of my mind. Let's say you trade Tyler Hero, you flip him to Brooklyn for a first-round What's that first-round pick going to be from Brooklyn? Like 22? Like you, would you really, really have the 22nd pick over Tyler Hero? Sixth man of the year? Well, Brooklyn doesn't have their own year. picks, which is the problem. Okay, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. any team trading for Tyler Hero, like you're not getting like – I mean, you're 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 probably a, a close to contending team. You're trying to get Tyler Hero as like another piece to try to get to where you're trying to go. Yeah. Like a, like a team that's going to be picking the lottery isn't necessarily trading for Tyler Hero. So you're going to get some late mid first round pick. That's not better than Tyler Hero as in terms of value in a vacuum. And like, look, if Tyler Hero was three inches taller, we're not even having this conversation. He'd be playing small forward and playing for Portland, and this trade would have been done two months ago. But um, he's a good player, and I think it's worth getting him. And if you can get Tyler Hero again, twenty four years old improving literally has improved every single season 20 points per game in the last two seasons six man of the year two seasons ago um a lot left to explore in his game plus three first round picks in the distant future when jimmy butler is not going to be jimmy butler when damian lillard's not going to be damian lillard like i i think those picks could actually be pretty good in 2028 and 2030 if i'm my if you're Miami. And this idea that oh the heat are never bad like those picks will never be worth anything the heat are never like the heat won the lottery like two years in a row after lebron left like the heat aren't somehow magically not allowed to be in the lottery. They could be in the lottery. That's where they got Bam, and it's where they got Tyler Hero, and they got Justice Winslow in the lottery as well. So they've picked in the lottery three times in the last 10 years. 
So I just I think the I think the offer's okay for an aging point guard making two hundred plus million dollars over the next four years. Like that's just what it is. To bring up the Durant comparison again, looking back on it, it's it's amazing how it panned out for uh, Nets. There, they get many distant Suns picks, which, as far as distant picks go, you can almost assure those are going to be good. Where most of the time you're uncertain of how it's going to go down the line, but they probably won't have yeah. those aging stars there anymore. They don't have any picks for the foreseeable future, first or second round. And they really don't have any young guys coming up either. It's just a right. bunch of veterans on minimum deals. So those, those are the premium there. Miami, you could say like maybe they'll have some young guys coming up the pipeline, whether it's premium guys or younger guys, uh, all the rest. But, you know, you're comparing it to, I don't even know if the Nets get involved, as you said. I, I think they should just because they don't have their first, just because they don't really have a direction here. They might not even make the playoffs this year with what they have right now. I think the Raptors are in a similar boat. But the packages but Bobby, like, are comparable. It, it, but the thing that I keep coming back to as well is like, did we all agree that the uh, the Timberwolves overpaid for Rudy Gobert? Yeah. Did we all agree that Cleveland might have overpaid for Donovan Mitchell? Yeah. After the season Larry Markkinen had. Did we all agree that the Suns probably overpaid even for Kevin Durant? Yes. So you can't have it both ways. Like we can't say like, okay, all these teams overpaid for these stars, but then Portland should get what those other teams got for those stars as if the other teams in the league didn't look at like okay maybe we're overpaying for stars now right because the whole idea isn't to get damian lillard that's not the goal of the trade the goal is to win a championship right and so if you're any team looking to trade for damian lillard you got to make sure that whatever team you have after lillard trade could still contend for a championship and as good as lillard and jimmy butler and bam might be as a trio you got to have like seven guys yeah that you could trust in the playoffs and if you just give up everything then I don't know that you have that if you're Miami. And so understandably, you'd be like, well, we're just not going to trade for him because you could argue also that, okay, I, I might rather have this Heat roster than a Heat roster with Damian Lillard and none of the supporting role players that are going to help us win a championship. Yeah, and you can hold those pieces going forward for maybe Giannis becomes available, maybe yeah. Embiid becomes available. And that is what worries me from a Celtics perspective is – Maybe the Heat's pieces get better. Maybe this Lillard trade doesn't go through. And then next year, you're talking about, ooh, the Heat are in on B. Because then you can even offer Bam at that point uh, if ooh. you want to swap out centers. So that's quietly what I'm thinking about on the backdrop. And that's obviously a conversation for later. But yeah. just with what Miami has right now, you have to think Jovic would go in this deal. Hawk is He's picks. improved his trade value a lot in that world. Cup. I like this world cup run. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if he's ready to play a big NBA role right now, but again, Portland's not in a hurry. Here. Portland would be perfect for him too, because in Miami, it's a little bit tough because they're obviously trying to win right now. And I think Jovic needs probably a couple of NBA years of seasoning, but Portland could give him that. And he plays a position of need for them. So that's, what's tough for me now with Miami, because given Butler doesn't play a ton. And I think Vincent was just a massive loss. He was actually legitimately great for them in a year where Larry was in and out of the lineup. It could be a tough regular season for Miami with what they have right now. Again, is Jovic ready? Not sure. Hakez seems ready to go relatively for a rookie, but you never know. Struess, I don't think was a huge loss. I think that's a guy who you could probably replace, mm -hmm. especially with Hero coming back, who's underrated, stepping back into this lineup, I think, a little bit now. So... I don't know, like this, this could be a tough stretch here without 
uh, Lillard, especially considering just a year ago when they had all these guys, the Heat were hovering around an eight seed, and we were doing a show saying this team's done going into the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> we were. Um, yeah, I think I agree with you. Uh, the 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 fun part about trading for Damian Lillard again, depending on what it would cost you, is that it would make the regular season a lot more enjoyable for me. That's mostly what I'm looking forward to because that's the most immediate thing. It's like if this is the team coming back, man, like this is the same team basically for three years in a row. You take a Gabe Vincent and a Max Struess out. You add a Josh Richardson here back into the mix, like whatever, like you get a better year from Duncan Robinson. Like it's just, it is a, it's tough sledding. It's a team that wins by playing good defense and boxing out a lot. And that's not necessarily an enjoyable (laughs) version of basketball. And it's a hard way to play for 82 games. It's really, really hard. Um, And like you mentioned, Jimmy Butler played, like 60 something games for the first time in his uh, Miami heat career last year. And they, and they needed him to, to make the playoffs. Like literally they made the playoffs by one quarter against the Chicago bulls in the playing tournament. That's what made them get into the playoffs. So you also look at um, their three point shooting last year was way down. They were like bottom five in the league in three point shooting percentage versus the year before when they were the number one seed, they were the number one team in the league in three point percentage. I think they're closer to uh, in terms of three-point percentage where they were two years ago than they were last year, where a bunch of guys just had career lows. I think Duncan Robinson, Josh Richardson, Caleb Martin, like Tyler Hero, these guys are all good to elite three-point shooters. And I think they all have bounced back years. Max Drews and Gabe Vincent weren't good from, from three in the regular season. And they've kind of been up and down throughout their careers. Like, I think Max Drews is a good three-point shooter. I don't think he's like an elite three-point shooter. You know what I mean? So, um, and... I think Duncan Robinson is a better three-point shooter. So with Struce gone, you get to play Duncan Robinson more. So I think their three-point shooting goes up. We've seen that help offenses obviously score and help teams win games in the regular season. That That's a very important stat for them. But then, so I, so yeah, I think there's going to be a, a reversion back to the mean that's going to help the Heat in the regular season this year, even if they don't make a Damian Lillard change. The other thing that I look at with the Heat over the last four years is that that year that they had the number one seed was clearly the anomaly. Even the bubble year, they only they it's won so like crazy. 40. I think they were one. <laughs> they, yeah, they were the one seed in that crazy COVID season, which the Heat were uniquely suited to win games in because it's like, oh, you have to play a bunch of guys from your G League team and your two way contracts. Well, that's kind of who we use anyway because we're the Miami Heat. Those are all of our dudes. So they just like they were they were very much in their comfort zone to do that, and they won a bunch of games when like we had that <laughs> other wave of COVID in December and Still January. The craziest time ever, where Joe Johnson's playing for the Celtics, and oh my god, I forgot about that. <laughs> everyone's everyone's wondering who they can call up to take Kyle got Kyle Guy stepped in and scored like thirty two points or something for the Heat on New Year's Eve or something, and everyone's like, oh my god, like how do they find this guy? And then they <laughs> wave him like two weeks later, and you're just like, all right, that's the Kyle Guy experience, but. Um, yeah, it was so, so crazy, but yeah, I just think that the heat are sort of, uh, slightly above 500 team in the regular season that made, made a run in the bubble and they made a run last year. And as the number one seed two years ago, you know, we're on the doorstep of the NBA finals after losing, uh, before losing the game seven against Boston. So this is a, an o- a okay regular season team that can turn it on in the playoffs. I don't think you can count them out in any postseason by any stretch. But that doesn't mean that the regular season is really hard. And this idea that the Heat figured out that the regular season doesn't matter and that they were just saving it for the postseason. <laughs> they did not want to be down to the Chicago Bulls in the second game of the playing tournament facing elimination going into the fourth quarter. They did not want to w- lose all the games that they won in the re- that, that they lost in the regular season. Excuse me. They would much rather two years ago cruising in as the number one seed. Trust me. 
Okay, that's still the goal. It's why they want Damian Lillard, but mostly they want Damian Lillard to win the championship. Do you think the deal gets done? And yes. when could that be? I think a deal gets done. I think it happens. Um, I think it happens in early October. It's just going to be my guess. I don't know. I Or maybe never. I, I have no idea, Bobby. I really don't. I just, I'm going to say it happens in early October because you asked me and I'm going to give you an answer. <laughs> but uh, it's interesting that the reports lately are like, Oh yeah, there hasn't been any conversations for months. And it's just sort of like every report is still kind of a report because you got to think like, okay, where does that report come from? Uh, some reporter on ESPN asked somebody in Portland, hey, when was the last time you talked to the Heat? And they're like, the Heat who? I have, I don't know. Yeah. And then you're asking Miami, when was the last time you talked to Portland? And you're like, they they won't they won't return our calls. We haven't talked to them since July, you know? Or, But the other part of that means that these teams are back in the office. They're back in their facilities. Off-season vacations are over, and now they're at least thinking about stuff. And I do think that just like anything, deadlines matter. It's why trades get done in Feb uh, in the first week of February and not the first week of November. Like yeah. deadlines matter. You got to get them done. I think that media day is going to be a mess if you have to have Damian Lillard there. If you're Portland, I don't know that that's a motivator for you to get a deal done just to avoid like awkwardness with local beat reporters, but. It's not great. And I think once he's in the building, you're just like, this is, this kind of doesn't make any sense for us. Like, let's just, and there's obviously no deals out there. Let's just go ahead and, and trade this guy for the most that we can get and re engage with the Miami Heat and trade talks and just get the best thing we can get. With the busy fall season already in swing, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam packed days. Factor, America's number one ready to eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with chef prepared. Dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Too busy this fall to cook? Want to make sure you're eating well? With Factor, skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back to crushing your goals. Looking for calorie-conscious options during the busy season? Try the delicious dietitian-approved Calorie Smart Meals with around uh, less than 550 calories per serving. This September, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash newsfeed50 and use code NEWSFEED50 to get 50% off. That's code NEWSFEED50 at factormeals.com slash NEWSFEED50 to get 50% off. All right, so what does this look like when it gets done? Lord, Butler, bam. Obviously, an infusion of offense. This team is needed for a little bit while here, uh, being a more defensively oriented team. I think the guy you probably want to have in that mix too probably is Martin, the way his postseason yep. went last year. It's a thinner team. You're probably looking for some veterans or maybe even small trade additions to pad the depth around this thinner group. But these top-heavy, big three star-laden teams are kind of the ones that have gotten it done in the NBA over the last decade or two here. So I understand mm -hmm. wanting to go in that direction. But you also have two ball handlers and one ball, and that's always a challenge too here. So what does this look like once Willard arrives? Obviously, it depends on what you have to send out. But um, I have reported this, and I feel very strongly about this still, that the Heat would very much prefer to keep Caleb Martin 
um, out of any Damian Lillard trade, right? Like they want him, they view him as a key piece in any sort of um, championship contender that they're trying to build. So let's, and, and by the way, I don't think Portland is like super stoked about trading for like acquiring Caleb Martin. I don't think that they would draw the line in the sand there. Like he's 28 years old. He's got a year left on his contract basically because of the player option. They basically have to pay him. Like he doesn't make sense for their timeline I, I, anyway. I don't know that he has a ton of trade value on the, on the market either. So it's like, okay. Like, I don't know that they're going to like stall trade talks further because of him. So we'll see what happens there. But if let's just say it's like hero draft picks and like one of the young guys, let's just call it Jovich. Like, let's just say that that's the deal. Right. And you can even throw Hawkeyes in there if you want. I don't know how much of a factor he'll play this season as a rookie anyway, but um, you've got Lillard. I think I like Josh Richardson as your starting two guard. He's just like a plug and play kind of, Contavious you guys forgot a little bit of the pickup. I forgot about him. <laughs> they ended up. You got there. him at the minimum. Like I yeah. think those are pickups that really matter. And so uh, it reminds me a lot of like when Golden State got Otto Porter a couple of years ago, and he ends up playing like a real rotation role for them in the playoffs. And they obviously Celtics fans miss Richardson a little bit, even though White comes back in that deal, and you know Richardson's just yeah, been yeah. on bad teams since. He he's he had a nice little run to start yeah. that season here, and he's a career thirty six percent three point shooter on high volume which I think is really important for Miami so, and, and he could defend multiple positions. So I like him next to Dame in that backcourt. Obviously you need a little bit of a bigger uh, defensive minded uh, guard to pair with Damian Lillard. So I'd go Lillard Richardson, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo at the five, who knows who starts a power forward. I still think the inside, I, I think Kevin Love has the advantage there at least to start games at power forward. Even if it's just like the first five minutes of each half or six minutes of each half, like maybe that's all it is. But I think he still has the inside track to start there. Um, and then if you're able to keep Caleb Martin, he's a good player coming off the bench. I think Duncan Robinson is in for a bounce back year. Um, they signed Thomas Bryant over the offseason, which is, I think, an interesting little high, uh, like low risk, high payoff type of move for them. They also have Orlando Robinson, who's a little bit more solid defensively uh, to back up Bam Adebayo at center. They also then, brought over Champagne from the Celtics. Yeah. Trying to pull a guy in who was there all last year. A bunch of interesting names in training camp who could pop, right? And I think most of Miami's two-way contracts are very much up for grabs here. So any one of those guys can end up popping for Miami this year. And now you have another factor that you've got to consider. Haywood Highsmith could be a guy who I think could he actually— He played well in those spot playoff minutes. If he can get that three-point corner, uh, the, the corner three to, to fall at like a 35% clip, he could end up starting for the Heat at power forward like that would not shock me um so they got some names here you mentioned like how that big three model has worked in the playoffs you really only need six guys yeah like when it, when it really comes down to it like you would prefer to have seven or eight but you really only need six and we didn't even see like we don't think about the denver nuggets as some sort of like top heavy team but they very much are like they are a top heavy team they have five good starters right they have like four they have two elite players in Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. You've got uh, two very good players in Michael Porter Jr. Um, and Aaron Gordon. And then you've got like an above average to good player in KCP who fits his role perfectly. And then off the bench last year, it was like Bruce Brown. And then every once in a while, like Christian Brown could do something, maybe Jeff Green over here in this matchup. But basically, Bruce Brown was the only guy who they could rely on from series to series, from playoff game to playoff game. You really only need six, mm -hmm. and then hopefully, in like other, and then you could find like two other guys on uh, uh, matchup based who make sense for that series. And Eric Spolster is as good as that as anybody in the league. So I, I, I think if you're able to keep six guys who you could trust in every playoff game, 
that would be enough if I'm Miami to make sure that I'm keeping. And that's why I think they want to keep Caleb Martin so badly. They should. And you mentioned love too. That gives you a little bit of a ability to mix bigger and smaller lineups because the Celtics are going to come in bigger uh, to a series this year between, I think Robin Porzingis will probably be the way to go to start games. But you have Horford there too, who's obviously more of a spot up guy now. Uh, It is a challenge for the Heat when you look at what the Celtics bring to the table there. But if Lillard is in the mix, do you think that puts them up there at the top of East teams with the you know mix that you talked about there? If they're able to get Lillard at what Pat Riley would like to get Lillard for, I would I will. It's a scary thought for Boston. I will. I'll I'll probably make them my finals pick. That's probably where I'll end up. He was amazing last year, and I know it's on a bad team and taking all those shots, but. He got back to that level Lillard was at. I mean, I even, going back to those Brown conversations before he got extended, I thought about it just because of how great he's been in the playoffs, how awesome he is as a ball handler, controlling things, and uh, maybe setting the table for this offense, taking pressure off Tatum. He's he's literally perfect for Miami. I mean, he is a hand-in-glove fit. They need three-point shooting, deep three-point shooting, like a three – like three-point shooting that scares the crap out of opponents. Damon Lillard is the closest thing to Steph Curry outside of the Bay Area. Like, that's it. You know, nobody's scarier from 30 feet out than Damon Lillard, again, other than Steph. So you get him, and I think the pick and roll between him and Bam would click right away. They're perfect fits for each other. Bam is like that that ball-handling center screen setter. He might be the best screen center in the NBA. Celtics fans would say he's the dirtiest (laughs) screen setter in the NBA. Whichever, hey, you got the job. You get however you gotta get the job done. You do it, man. And so, I, 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 like you have him setting screens for Dame, and then being able to incorporate like the dribble handoff stuff that Damon Lillard's never had a real guy. Like Nurkic could, he dabbled with it a little bit, but not to the level of Bam. And then on the flip side of that, Lillard being able to create space for Bam and Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler just for the entire regular season just able to stand in the dunker spot, and just like cut off of Damon Lillard, Bam out of bio pick and rolls. Like that would be a blessing for Jimmy Butler because then he could stay fresh for the, for the playoffs where he could do Jimmy Butler. Yeah, they need to take oh. some pressure off him for sure. It's mm. huge. This is a great great guy to do it with. And hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. They're well equipped to handling the defensive uh, yes. liability there. They really can be, especially the way they've handled Robinson and Hero and those types. So it is a great fit. I think the personality fits. He obviously really wants to be there which has been a challenge to this whole process for Portland. Um, but I think Celtics fans everywhere. I remember second round, they get through past the Bucks, and I'm like, all right, that heat anxiety is beginning a little bit, and then even to start <laughs> the series. But I'm still blown away by just how much they dominated those first two games in Boston. And then, of course, the third game is still shocking to look back on there. So uh, Celtics need to shake it up. They made their big move. I think Porzingis does fit in well against this Miami team, but – uh, Lillard will be a challenge to handle for Boston's defensive backcourt too. I think he could be looking at another East Finals between these teams somehow, some way. And I'm ready for it. You mentioned the screening too. That was one of the <laughs> funnier parts of that series was the anger back and forth over Bam and 
Horford screens. <laughs> it's the best part about the Heat Celtics rivalry is the fact that we actually kind of get into the basketball parts of it, right? It's always like his screen setting is dirty. And now we're like talking about whether or not his feet are set and or if those elbows are flared or whatever. Because well, it it's is. so like, evenly matched by the end yeah. of it, going down the seven games. Exactly. Really close finish uh, uh, last year, the twenty. We're talking about Jalen Brown, like what direction he's best dribbling in. Like that's that's actual basketball. Like it's 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 inflamed by you know passion of fan bases and the Boston versus Miami rivalry. That's not just that does not just exist in the NBA, right? Like the Dolphins and the Patriots. Like it's the same fan base that hates each other in all sports. So it's just like, but at the end of the day, it's it's still like analysis of of the basketball game and and which team has the advantage where. So I just I. If it's if it's another Eastern Conference Finals, I'll be stoked. So last question I got for you here before All we right. send you out of here, and it's it's a distant one, but it's one that does loom here for the Heat. Are they going to pay Butler three hundred million? If they get Damian Lillard, no doubt they'll they'll pay Jimmy Butler at thirty five. Um, I I think that they probably w- I just don't know what the other option is now. The other, I, I the only thing that's looming for me in terms of the Jimmy Butler decision is if they could promise Jimmy that they would be it would be easier with the second you know the, with the CBA and the second apron and all this stuff if they're able to break it down math wise with Jimmy hey man like look we're gonna give you as much money as we can but this is what we have planned for the roster to go like win more championships I think there's a chance that Jimmy would take less in order to facilitate something like that and again what the new CBA gives them is like hard and fast stuff like. Hey, if we give you this, we can't aggregate this tra- these players to do this trade that we think we can accomplish a month from now or whatever it is, right? Um, where in the past with the CBA, it was like, hey, we really don't want to pay you this much because we just don't want to pay this much. Like now there's like actual rules to prevent teams from paying players, which is why, by the way, the owners did this in the first place. But um, <laughs> that would be the only thing I would say is as Jimmy and Damian Lillard potentially age, if there's a chance for them to uh, compliment them and and sort of revamp the roster around them. And if what that means is that they have to pay Jimmy Butler a little bit less, I think Jimmy would be open to it is all I would say. What do you think of the Brown deal? Good for Jalen Brown, man. Go get your money. That's what it is. It's uh, Enjoy it while you can. Put it on the on every resume, every cover letter. I'm the highest paid player in NBA history. Do that now because in a few months you won't be. That's just how this works. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Won't last long, but he's among the guys who can get that kind of deal uh, going forward into the future. Um, and, of course, we'll see what happens with the load stuff here. He's Wes Goldberg. You can check him out on the Locked on Heat podcast and, of course, at uh, WC Goldberg over on X. And <laughs> uh, we'll be back later this week potentially, but more likely next week, I think, with a live garden report. Uh, again, check out clnsmedia.com for some uh, – uh, Rob, Al, talk. I'm interested in getting into that question here with the guys soon. And uh, thanks again, Wes. We'll talk to you soon. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 
Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GAMBLINGHELPLINEMA.ORG or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.